0: Well, hi, Kingsgate family, and perhaps others who are joining us today who've never attended a Kingsgate Church location. Everybody, you are so welcome. Thanks so much for joining me. We are continuing our theme this weekend, Take Heart. Uh, last week uh, Simon Diggs was in conversation with Galia and Dr Encuria and Aaron looking at this this statement from Jesus take heart and we're following that up this week and it's been such a time of continual uncertainty hasn't it with the daily headlines of doom mingled with heartwarming moments and stories of hope as we've clapped for carers and then recently as the sound of the approaching cavalry with the news about the vaccines has made the headlines too and during this season there have been lots of new uh, strange phrases and use of language We've talked about lockdown. Previously, lockdown was something that happened in prisons when the inmates got rather restless. We've talked about ramping up, which used to be an activity somewhat exclusive to skateboarders and BMX bike riders. Rolling out was the domain of carpet layers, and then tiers were usually reserved for wedding cakes. There's been an unprecedented use of the word unprecedented and the Prime Minister has often utilised another rather old-fashioned word in his Downing Street press laments. He's often said, alas, which has made us occasionally feel that we've been caught up in a Shakespearean drama. So here's what seems to be another rather strange sentence. Imagine this, you're talking to someone who has previously told you that they are going to be executed. And now Jesus says these words, we've already seen them on screen, but listen to them again A time is coming and in fact has come when you will be scattered, each to your own home. You will leave me all alone. Yet I am not alone, for my Father is with me. I have told you these things, so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. These were Jesus' final words to his disciples before his arrest. This was the message that he so wanted them to remember as they navigated the difficult days that lay ahead. Take heart, I have overcome the world. So let's dive a little deeper and examine those words carefully. First of all, let's see that there was a prediction here, a very comforting prediction a very challenging prediction Jesus said to his disciples you will leave me all alone yet I'm not alone for my father is with me I've told you these things so that you may have peace there's something really remarkable here there is something that I have not noticed in all of my 400 years or so of being a Christian And that is that commentators agree that Jesus was letting his disciples know that he knew that they were going to all desert him. They would leave him alone. Jesus, we know, predicted Peter's betrayal and his restoration. And of course, that prophecy was fulfilled. We read in Matthew 26 and verse 56, but then all the disciples deserted him, deserted Jesus and, fled. and Jesus reassures them. He says, I'm not going to be alone. The Father will be with me. And then he says something to give them peace. And that peace, and we'll investigate that more in a few moments, came from the reality that he knew them. He knew their fragility. He knew what they were going to do. Yet in the midst of that he still loved them, he comforted them in advance of their failure. In other words it's true for them and it's true for us today that they and we are totally known by God and totally loved by God. We don't surprise him and perhaps that can go against the grain because Life teaches us that we can be loved if we're lovely. We can experience kindness if we're kind. But the love of God knows us in our complete fragility. Jesus knew his disciples would all collapse under pressure, yet reassured them of his ongoing faithfulness and love. Now, like any teaching about grace, that truth could be misused. A person could say, well, you know, I'm, I'm going to sin and God knows all about it anyway. And God knows me and he will forgive me. So let's just go ahead and, uh, and make that bad choice. Of course, the Bible clearly teaches us against or warns us against abusing grace in that way. In Romans chapter 6, the Apostle Paul says, shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase by no means we don't want to abuse this truth but let's celebrate this truth that God knows us in our fragility and he completely loves us and in the midst of all of the uncertainties that we currently face why not right now affirm this which is certain God loves you God loves me and that love will continue. He loves us in our fragility. Secondly, there's a promise of pressure here. A promise of pressure because Jesus says, in this world you will have trouble. Powerful words that are not my favourite words and most Christians don't have this verse as a refrigerator magnet on their Christian refrigerator when John talks about the world in his gospel he uses the world 80 times uses the word 80 times and a third of those occasions describe the world as being a place of unbelief and conflict Jesus is saying we're going to have trouble while we're alive we're going to experience what I like to describe as second-choice living. We can expect, perhaps we're almost educated to believe, that we'll always get our first choice, we'll always get life as we want it to be. But the reality is that uh, much of the time, some of the time, and for some people, it feels like all of the time as they go through extended seasons, of challenge and difficulty, we experience a second-choice life. And first and second choices can intersect in the same day, even in the same hour, even at a trivial level. You you go out to a nice restaurant. At last, they're open. A table is available. First choice. But as you get out of your car to go into the restaurant, you break a nail after an expensive manicure. Hate it when that happens. Second choice. And you have a nice meal, which is great. But then um, you, um, you have to drive home using, let's say, the M1. And there's There's uh, traffic uh, roadworks that are planned there for the next century. Second choice. Uh, You get home and there's a parking space outside your house. First choice. But as you back into the parking space, you reverse into the next door neighbor's car. Second choice. At a trivial level, first and second choices intersect all the time. Sometimes, as I previously mentioned, we go through extended seasons of second choice or trouble in sickness or bereavement, in unemployment, in the breakdown of relationships, in the uncertainty that all of us feel. We have trouble. The word in the Greek here, phlipsis, is a word that is used nine times by the Apostle Paul in his two letters that he wrote to the Corinthians. You're going to have trouble, says Jesus. And we need to be honest about that. In fact, I want to take this a little further and say, let's be honest about the very nature of life when we talk particularly to young people. We often tell young people, well, if you can dream it, you can do it. Well that's not true because 10,000 people can dream about being the Prime Minister but there's only going to be one Prime Minister. It's, uh, it's setting young people up um, with an expectation that they're only ever going to live in a first world choice and then when life is difficult they become disappointed and, uh, and are really overwhelmed as a result And if we don't talk about there being trouble in this life, for us as followers of Jesus, if we don't talk about those times when we feel weary, when we feel sad, then people will feel disenfranchised. They'll feel like they're the odd ones out. Well, something's wrong with me. Let's face this truth that life brings trouble. Recently, Um, during a a pastoral meeting a team meeting at my home church Timberline Church in Fort Collins Colorado we were asking the question what do we most often hear from our people from the congregation and one of our one of our teams said he said well I I often hear people say something like life hasn't turned out the way I thought it would and a senior member of our team Pastor Dick Foth, he He smiled ruefully and he added, life is what happens when you expected something else. I know I'm hammering the point home, but we've got to realise that life brings trouble. And I can hear someone saying, but I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That doesn't mean that we can do anything. It doesn't mean that we can live a life without any kind of limits. In fact, the Apostle Paul was in lockdown when he wrote those words to the Philippians. For Paul, it was a two-year period of lockdown, house arrest in Rome. Let's realize that we are living in a broken world of pressure and trouble. And when trouble comes then, let's face it, Let's not be feeling guilty because of some of the sadness that we feel because of it. And let's not be angry with God because he didn't give us what he never promised to give us in the first place. In this world, there is a promise of pressure. And then thirdly, peace is found in the person of Jesus. Jesus says, in me, you may have peace. Ronald Rollheiser says, it's no easy task to walk this earth and find peace. Inside of us, it would seem something is at odds with the very rhythm of things, and we are forever restless, dissatisfied, frustrated, and aching. We are so overcharged with desire that it's hard to come to simple rest. Peace is not just uh, an emotion, uh, an emotional state that we pursue in some kind of disembodied way just looking for peace no biblical peace is found in a person biblical peace is found in the person of Jesus and so in the message version of Matthew 11 we hear Jesus saying are you tired worn out burned out on religion come to me How much Jesus inserts himself into the promise of peace. It's as we come to him, as as we walk with him, peace personalized, if you will, and not just offered in some kind of abstract way. And that text, that story uh, that we were looking at last week in in Matthew 14, uh, Jesus said to his disciples, take courage. And then he said, it is I don't be afraid once again affirming that because he was present in the situation because he was with them that was the source that was the reason for their peace this is not don't worry be happy there's no hope in that this is i am here says jesus walk with me invites jesus and then we will know peace as we come to this christmas time I can remember quite a few years ago as a 16-year-old, many years ago, being out on Christmas Eve, drinking with my friends and looking for a church so that we could interrupt their Christmas Eve services by throwing bottles at the building. Helpfully, we didn't manage to find a church that night. But within a few months, everything in my life had changed because... And it wasn't that I'd got religion, but because I'd got Jesus, the person of Jesus, inviting him to step into my life and take charge of my life. And perhaps before I go any further, it's important for me to pause and invite you if you are not yet a follower of Jesus. Don't just look for peace and happiness in abstract ways, but hear the claim of Jesus that peace is to be found in him and you can take that step to become a follower of his. Fourthly here, we see a posture to take because Jesus says, take heart. It's a favourite phrase of Jesus. We already heard that he said that to his disciples in, in the storm and in Matthew chapter 9 and verse 2, he speaks to a paralysed man and says, take heart, son, your sins are forgiven. And then, when the apostle Paul was under great threat in the city of Jerusalem, Jesus appeared to him. Acts 23 and verse 11. The following night, the Lord stood near Paul and said, "Take courage, as you have testified about me in Jerusalem. So you must also testify in Rome. Take heart." It's that phrase that we see here in John 16:33. Now, if you're technically minded in the Greek, this is an imperative verb. What that means is that he's asking us to take action. There is something that we do. There is a choice that we make. A friend of mine, a friend who came to stay with Kay and me some years ago, Deborah Ville. In 2002, Deborah, with her husband Andrew, um, entered a competition to row uh, a boat across the Atlantic, 2,900 nautical miles. And Andrew, her husband at the time, abandoned the trip after 14 days, and she continued Her 111 day marathon and it stretched her to the limit. Sometimes she would row all day and then get some rest, only to discover from her GPS. Uh, that, the, uh, that the ocean had taken her back to her previous location. And she battled waves and was threatened by oil tankers bearing down upon her, inquisitive sharks, flying fish that would bump into her when she was rowing. But De- Deborah was encouraged and sustained. She's a follower of Jesus because she had a post-it note stuck on the, uh, on, the, in the, on the dashboard of the rowing cabin. And it simply said three words choose your attitude, choose your attitude, a choice that she had to make every day and Jesus is calling us with his help to make daily choices about our attitudes. So in John 14 and verse 1 he says, do not let your hearts be troubled, trust in God, trust also in me. I know this is not easy but Jesus is calling us beyond a passive approach to life where we just allow any thoughts to to just run around our minds he's calling us to take heart to embrace a particular attitude i remember once going to london with friends for the day we parked our car at the railway station we were somewhat late so i jumped out of the car and we rushed onto the platform came back at the end of a rather lovely day And as we walked up to the car, I noticed that the the, the driver's door was open and I panicked. I said, Kay, our car's been broken into. Truth is, it hadn't been broken into at all. I was in such a hurry, I'd left the car door wide open for the whole day. And I think sometimes we can do that with our minds. We just leave the mental door wide open. Instead of taking every thought captive, instead of actually taking control over our thinking and choosing an attitude, we seem to think that we're at the mercy of our minds. And that is not how God calls us to live. Jesus is inviting us with his help to choose an attitude, and to choose an attitude of taking heart whatever the circumstances. There are some people who will say that they'll trust God if a particular outcome uh, occurs in their life. There are other people who have a faith that is though faith, though life is difficult, though life is tough, though that prayer seems to be unanswered, whatever, I'm still going to trust God. Do we have if faith or low faith pastor George Ross has said I've served in the ministry 31 years and I've come to understand that there are two kinds of faith one says if everything goes well if my life is prosperous if I'm happy if nobody I love dies if I'm successful then I will believe in God say my prayers go to church and give what I can afford the other says though the cause of evil prosper though I sweat in Gethsemane though I must drink my cup at Calvary nevertheless precisely then I will trust the Lord who made me so Job cries though he slay me yet but I trust him I pray that for you that for myself that we will not embrace an if faith that allows all kinds of thinking to run uncorralled around our minds, but we will embrace a low faith. Whatever happens, I'm going to trust God and I am going to learn with the help of the Holy Spirit how to take heart. Well finally, Finally, there's a kingdom perspective here, because Jesus says, I have overcome the world. That word overcome only occurs once in John's gospel, six times in 1 John, and 17 times in the book of Revelation. He's saying, we have trouble, but he has overcome the world. That Uh, victory that is his in the cross and the resurrection all of the powers of darkness and evil he has overcome and in him we too can overcome 1st John 5 and verse 4 this is the victory that has overcome the world even our faith that doesn't mean that We don't have any trouble. We've already seen that. It doesn't mean that we won't struggle. But it means that as we affirm our faith in Christ, as we declare a a low kind of faith, regardless of outcome, we take heart. We declare that Christ is risen and ascended. We do that on the, the battlefield of life, in that tension between his overcoming and the trouble that we experience and the Bible again concedes that trouble in Romans chapter 8 and verse 35 which is that great passage about us as overcomers more than conquerors to use Paul's language Paul says who shall separate us from the love of Christ shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword again He's affirming the reality of trouble and the tension that there is. But then Paul says in Romans 8:37 in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. We're not just conquerors, but we are more than conquerors. The victory is resounding because even though we navigate these troubles, there is the potential in the trouble to produce solid gold faith it isn't just that we survive them but actually as we navigate them with faith so character is deepened our trust in God grows we don't just conquer but we are more than conquerors and we affirm that we are loved we are not alone we are heard when we pray life eternal is ours God's presence is with us As I conclude, I want to conclude by just referring us to two lockdowns. We've been through two lockdowns here in England, but these are biblical lockdowns. Daniel had one, uh, 60 years of lockdown uh, in exile in Babylon, and he was given a vision of the overcoming Christ. He says in Daniel 7, In my vision at night I looked. There before me was one like a son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the ancient of days and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory and sovereign power. All nations and peoples of every language worshipped him. His, domain, his dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away. And his kingdom's one that will never be destroyed. You see, in the midst of his troubles, and Daniel had plenty including a lion's den, in the midst of his troubles, Daniel was given a vision of the ultimate overcoming victory of Christ. John, John who was in exile on the prison island of Patmos for an indeterminate period of time, he was in lockdown But he also had a vision of the Son of Man. We read about it in Revelation 1. And he says, When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Then he placed placed his right hand on me and said, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead and now look, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. Yes, in this world we have trouble but we are called by God ultimately ultimately to look up and live our lives in the light of that final victory of Christ which he has won and that will ultimately be consummated in eternity. Well in a few moments Uh, the brilliant worship team here at Kingsgate are going to lead us in that wonderful song about taking heart as they do so. Let's count ourselves in with our fragilities. Let's not be angry at God because life brings trouble because he didn't promise anything different to that. He did promise to be with us in it. Let's take a posture of faith and faithfulness and trust knowing that although we struggle, our feelings are not the barometer of our spirituality. And may God give us a kingdom perspective that ultimately and finally in Christ, he has overcome the world and in him we overcome too.